Well, you know what I think. I'm a Christian. I'm not going to deny that. I do want everyone to feel comfortable, and that's why I'd like to talk to you about Jesus. Please do not go religious. Somebody's going to hell over there. You better not. Even the devil will speak the truth for, for his own purposes. This is war. Accept it. Back to Jerusalem podcast. Yeah, I'm back, and I'm armed with righteousness. With your host, Eugene Bach. He just seems like he's got it all figured out. He's a righteous dude. Yep. Hello and welcome to another Back to Jerusalem podcast. I'm Eugene Bach, your host for this time, and I am coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Iraq, where I'm sitting in the back of a taxi traveling right along the borders of ISIS territory together with a Back to Jerusalem missionary who's been serving in Iraq for about eight months. Now, if you've been watching the news at all, you would see that there have been huge changes inside of Iraq in the last couple of months because of the war on ISIS, specifically in the last holdout, which is in Mosul. And Mosul, it, it seemed like they were making quick progress, the allies, the allied forces. The, you have um, the Iraqi military, you have international military, now you have the U.S. military assisting the Iraqis, as well as the Peshmerga from Kurdistan, which is where I'm at right now, inside of Kurdistan, which is considered to be Iraq by some, and by if you ask most Kurds, they will tell you that no, Kurdistan is its own area. And they made quick work, the Allies were able to make quick work of Mosul, taking over um, the four main bridges to the east, right over the Tigris River, into the city. Um, from those bridges and to take over the airport, but they've been really bogged down in the old town now for um, several weeks um, just because it is basic hand-to-hand combat in these tight urban areas where the buildings are very densely built together and it's not easy for a mechanized military unit to come in and take out a unit that is so deeply entrenched. So as the unit has been attacked inside of that uh, region of Mosul, that's kind of the last stand of ISIS here in Mosul, we will be happy to see them go. But you can see that they are taking some desperate measures within that last stronghold. For instance, there was just a report that said that um, there were... ISIS members who tried to escape, that tried to leave out from the war, that tried to find a way to sneak out of the city. Now, in the past, if ISIS ever found anybody that would abandon them, they would just kill them. But instead of killing them, now they're just cutting off their ears, which is a huge sign because it means that... um, that they can't lose any more people. They're trying to retain their people. So instead of killing them, they're just cutting off their ears. Saddam Hussein did the same thing. Saddam Hussein would cut off ears and cut off their nose. But I'm sitting here with a back to Jerusalem missionary that has been serving for about eight months inside of uh, Iraq. And it hasn't been the easiest of times for what she's been doing. And uh, I want to just ask her a few questions about what have been some of her biggest challenges, what have been the things that um, have been some of the biggest heartaches. Now, I know that um, sitting here with you, you have been teaching English inside of Iraq to, to young children. <laughs> How has that been? How, have you felt 
felt good about teaching English? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I love the children, and yeah. I enjoy to teach them. And how many children did you teach every day? We have usually we have four classes one day, and one class is around ten, like like that. Okay. Ten or sometimes less ten, sometimes more than that. So about forty children per day, yeah. basically. And any time I come to the village, I see you with the children. You and I will just go for a walk into the village. Children come out of their homes to walk beside you. It seems that the children really love being around you, even when school, even when you're not teaching them. So even when you're not teaching them, the children still are hanging around you. They like to spend time with you. Do you spend a lot of time with the children outside of teaching them? Sometimes we went to outside, and we, and but usually the children will come every day, and we play outside. Yeah, if there is no classes. And have you been teaching them anything about the Bible or Christ?、Mm, we just、uh, sing the songs. And so the songs that you're teaching them in English are Christian songs. Yeah, yeah, Christian songs. And sometimes we we dance and sing a song like that. And, and sometimes we give them the movies about the Bible. <laughs> And so this is like forty children. They are studying English, and you're using because many of the Kurdish families now that Kurdistan is separating from Iraq, many of the Kurds don't want to learn Arabic. They want to learn English, and、um, they have been quite happy to learn from you. You're teaching them English, and you're teaching them English from the Bible. Many of these children are Yazidi children, right? Right. Yeah. yeah. So that means that they were from the Sinjar Mountain, very much unreached. And how many times per week did you teach them? Yeah, five days. Well, so five days a week. Yeah. And for how long did you teach each class? One hour. So one hour, five days a week. These children are getting taught English, but not just English, but about the Bible. Do you believe that this is? Uh, going to help them in the for the rest of their life. Yeah,、um, even though I think we don't we don't、um, do much more, but I think God will when they grow up they will remember something like they will remember somebody、um, love them, teach them English, and they are Christian. And、uh, I believe God will change them. I I believe so too. I believe that they will never forget. The songs that you taught them as a child, the the words that you taught them, the movies that they watch that are from the Bible.、Um, you told me that you also spend time praying with them. Yeah. yeah. Did they know that you were praying? I'm not. I'm not really sure they know or not. But we, I close my hand, my eyes, and hold their hands. We make a circle and. So you'd pull them together, hold their hands, close their eyes, and in a circle you would pray and lead them in prayer. Did you pray in English or Chinese? Chinese. <laughs> so they really didn't understand that they were being blessed by you—an undercover blessing、uh, from an undercover back to Jerusalem Chinese worker serving here in Iraq to share the gospel with the little children. Now, did you ever go to houses of the parents and meet with the parents and spend time with them in their homes? Yeah, sometimes we go there. Yeah, yeah.、Um, mostly the children's family, and、uh, they the children invite us to their house, and we go their family. And、uh, even though we can't speak much Kurdish, and we 
just with me together. So you spent time with these children's families. Um, these children were almost like a key, a key to the village, a key to the homes, a key to the hearts of the mother and father. You have touched the lives of at least two or three generations of people. Now, I know that's not easy for you to think about, but as you have been here in Iraq for only eight months, you have touched so many lives. I mean, I know that you say you teach about 40 children per day, but there are times where we're walking around the village together with you and there are more than 40 children following you. Today, there was like a celebration for you. And I think that there was like a hundred people there celebrating. So you have made an impact on many lives for the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's just been amazing. Um, what has been one of the biggest challenges about being in a Muslim country? Um, I think the, the language. The language has been the biggest challenge. Yeah, and the relationship. You're living in a war zone. You're living only a few miles from ISIS. You're living with children that have been uh, attacked by ISIS. You're living in a small village of all refugees. And I ask you, what's the hardest part? And you say, the language. <laughs> you really have a heart for missions. Because sometimes we want a community with them, but we don't know how to say. So we just say hello and nothing like yeah. like that. Yeah. So your biggest challenge has been how to share the gospel with them because you don't know the language. So everything has been about sharing the good news with them. We just want to make friends with them and uh, let them feel Jesus' love. And we try, to try our best to, to love them and to... Now, when we have people that will listen to this recording and they have been praying for Iraq, what would you like to tell them to pray for? What's one of the things that, if they're praying about Iraq, what is one of the things that they should pray for? I want, uh, I want them to pray for here and uh, for the peace and for... Um, <laughs> Pray for, pray for their heart and let the Lord change their heart. Yeah, people cannot see you when they're listening to this, but I can see you have tears in your eyes. You're trying to talk without crying. You're very emotional when you talk about the people of Iraq. You said that you were called to the Middle East when you were young. When did you first feel the calling to come to the Middle East? Six, sixteen, sixteen, and and I know, I know, I don't really know, but I learn. I start to, I know, I'll learn Arabic. So when you were sixteen years old, you felt that God called you to the Middle East. So when you were sixteen, you began to learn Arabic. Uh, how old are you? Or, uh, how old are you now? Twenty-four. Twenty-four. You look sixteen. <laughs> so you. So when did, did you say that you did study English at sixteen, or when did you start studying uh, Arabic? Arabic. Nineteen. Oh, nineteen. So you were nineteen. So you were sixteen when you felt the call, but you were nineteen when you first started studying Arabic. How did you study Arabic? Was there a school that you went to in China, or how? Yeah, I went to school, and this is the major. <laughs> and you took Arabic as your major in university? Yeah. And did you have an Arabic teacher? 
Yeah, I have a Arabic teacher. Yeah? Where was your teacher from? From China. Oh, from China. Yeah, and uh, he lived in Egypt for for seven years, and he came back to teach in a college. And have you been able to use your Arabic while you've been here in Iraq? Not really. Uh, why is that? Just sometimes in a taxi, and uh, we just said because we live in a, around the around the people, they speak uh, Kurdish. Yeah. Kurdish. Yeah, so you're living in a Kurdish area, and the Kurdish right now, they speak mainly Kurdish, and English is the second language that they're now learning now that they've separated from Iraq and gained a bit of independence. Now, they're not completely separate from Iraq. They're still considered to be a part of Iraq, but most Kurds uh, will say that they consider themselves to be Kurdish first and foremost, above all else. Many of them even say that they are Kurdish before they are Muslim. Now, the village that you've been serving in mainly is Yazidi people. Yeah, Yazidi. And what what is different about the Yazidi people? Yazidi. Is there anything special about them? Yeah, and that they they didn't eat vegetable vegetables like cabbage like. Uh, uh, Anything that's green, right? Green vegetables. They will not eat green vegetables. Not not all of them. Uh, just cabbage and uh, uh, cauliflower. Yeah, and uh, that like Chinese cabbage, they cannot eat. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they 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 don't like wear blue. They they won't wear blue. Yeah. So they don't wear blue. They don't eat cabbage. They don't eat. A certain green leafy vegetables and um, they also don't wear a color on their shirt that's made by Muslims it can only be made by Yazidi women or can they maybe may be made by Christians yeah I think they can because yeah. they 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 I think they kind of love Christians yeah especially now there's becoming a relationship between the Yazidis and the Christians that's never been there before and now, especially with you being there and serving, you've brought the light of Christ to them and the message, not just with your lips, but also with your actions, the things that you've done. You have given your life and your safety um, to come and serve. You're a single Chinese female, very petite, and most people would think that it was too dangerous for you to come and serve in Iraq. How did your parents feel? when you came to serve in Iraq? Were they scared for you? Yeah, um, of course they worry about me, but yeah. they support me because yeah. they are Christian. They serve Lord also. <laughs> Do you talk with them every day? Not every day. Sometimes, like, no power and no internet. Yeah. But not every day. And sometimes I would talk with them. Yeah. So some days you don't have any electricity or internet and so on the days that you do is when you'll call and talk and and say hello to your parents and they probably cry and miss you <laughs> they're not crying sometimes i would tell them uh, they're they're not crying they're not crying yeah, just pray for me they said they, they pray for me every day there's, uh, they must be amazing Christians, knowing and being proud of their daughter as you go and serve in Iraq. Um, so I just, I'm traveling. If you are familiar with our Back to Jerusalem podcast, whenever I'm on the road, uh, on the road will podcast. Uh, that's kind of our our theme. 
uh, we are sitting in the back of a, of a taxi. So if you hear uh, the roaring of trucks and vehicles driving by, that is why. And we are so appreciative of even though we are doing this recording in a very simple environment, bringing it to you live from the front lines. Many of you listeners will overlook our amateurish ways of doing recording and listen for the content and pray for us anyway. We really cover your prayers and are so excited for every single one of you listeners that listen to this Back to Jerusalem podcast. Again, my name is Eugene Bach coming to you live on delay from somewhere within the borders of Iraq. God bless you.